0: Hello and welcome to an impromptu Anton Volchenkov Christmas episode of the Cosper Pointcast. As always, I'm your host, Trevor Shackles. With me today, once again, is TSN radio host of That's What She Said, Michaela Schreider. Michaela, how's it going?
1: I'm good, Trevor. How are you?
0: Not too bad. It, uh, you know, it started snowing here in Vancouver for the first time. Sens have won too straight. Um, and I was hoping uh, we could get into some some of the Christmas spirit for today. Uh, you know, we're we're a bit late sending our Christmas wish list to Santa. Um, but should we go over it anyway? I think so. I mean he's got email now, so I imagine things move a little quicker. It's very true, very true. Um <laughs> so we got five days um or once this comes out, it'll be five days before Christmas. Um so I was just hoping we could go through maybe three um three things we wish for um regarding the sends. Um since you're the guest, I'll let you go first. What's uh what's number one on your wish list here?
1: Oh, thank you very much. Well, I think number one on my wish list, and this isn't really a tangible thing, but I would love for a guarantee that Eric Carlson is going to sign a contract in Ottawa because I don't know about other Sens fans, but I can imagine, as with myself the looming possibility that he may not sign here has caused me quite a bit of stress. So right. to ease everyone's stress levels throughout the holidays, I think it would be great to know that our captain is staying here in Ottawa. So even if it's a verbal guarantee from Eric, you know, he was very positive over the weekend after the winter classic or the outdoor classic game. Uh, I would just love some, co- some confidence from the captain that he is going to sign here for Christmas.
0: Right, I, I think I think you're not being greedy enough there, you know, because Carlson, like, <laughs> like he has he has said things, you know, like I want to stay in Ottawa, I want to be a senator, I want to be a part of this team. It seems like he does really like the city, um, but you know, I, I think that's entirely up to up to ownership. That's up to Eugene Melnick. Um, that's a
1: scary thought.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we I guess we can touch on that in a second. Um, but do you think if if money wasn't an object, do you think Carlson would sign here no matter what?
1: I think that the odds would be more in Ottawa's favor if money wasn't an object. You know, like Eric Carlson is at the level of he can write down pretty much any number on a piece of paper. And that's what any team is going to sign him for. Right. Like there are a few players in the league that can do that. Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Alex Ovechkin and Eric Carlson would be, you know, a few off the top of my head. He has the power is essentially in his hands. I, I, I've never get, been given any indication that there are any other reasons why he wouldn't sign here, um, other than obviously what he said about wanting the money that he's worth, which is completely fair. Uh, so if money were an object, I, I don't think there would be much concern. There's never been an indication that Carlson is in any way unhappy here. My only concern, I guess, from a fan standpoint would be, you know, the what happened with Alfie, um, and Alfie's relationship with ownership would that influence Carlson at all outside right. of the money thing? you know he's very close with Alfie. would the way that the Alfie situation was handled or Daniel Alfredson's current relationship with ownership affect Eric Carlson at all that would be the only outlying factor outside of money in my opinion.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um, and you know I, I think it's interesting too that people are, Well, not everyone, but some people are kind of treating this as if this is something that's super far away. I mean, really, once he can sign a contract on July 1st, and if he hasn't signed a contract by, you know, maybe end of July, mid-August, I think then we're starting to get really worried because then we're getting into territory of, okay, should we try to trade him then? Um, So, you know, if if he does have that guarantee, that would be nice um, that he's going to re-sign. I think if I if I were asking, uh, you know, if I were asking Santa for something, I would probably want that actual contract to be signed. Um, <laughs> just
1: sign it early. We don't need technicalities exactly, here. Exactly, yeah. We could sign circumvent it tomorrow. the law. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, just get a little wink-wink, nudge-nudge kind of kind of deal done. Um, but, you know, it, for a contract like that, do you think it would be $10 million, $11 million, or even more, like, uh, you know, $12 million?
1: I, I think 10 at the absolute minimum. I, I think he's going to yeah. make double digits for sure. I I mean, it, it's conceivable that he could make 12 because it's not just how good of a player he is. And, and you could certainly put him up there uh, with Connor McDavid in terms of how good he is at his position, for sure, he's the best defenseman in the league. There's no doubt about that. Um, but outside of that, it's it's the value that he brings to this team. You know, he dragged this team at times, kicking and screaming, into the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Yes, they played pretty well around him, but he was the driving force of that. He makes such a big difference on this team, and you can like I think it's it's very f- feasible to say without Eric Carlson. This team would not, I don't think they'd even be in the conversation for the playoffs, especially right now. Um, he makes that big of a difference on the team, and therefore I, I would not be shocked at all to see $12 million.
0: No, that, that's definitely fair. Um, I think also, suffice it to say, if if they did have to move him, would you want them to just completely tear it down? Oh
1: God, I don't want to think about it. I know. Uh,
0: We're getting into the Christmas spirit. It's all positive right now. I know, but <laughs>
1: you're right. You know, like it. There's if it, I, I was gonna say if we get to like twelve o two on July first and he hasn't signed yet, we right. should probably panic. Yeah, But yeah. yeah, if we get you know midway through the summer and there's no contract done, especially if we start the season and there's no contract done, then these conversations need to happen. Much like they did with Kyle Turris, you know, there comes a point where. If a deal is not getting done, you have to get value for this for this player. Um, you know, where you draw that line, I don't know, but I would hope that it is as soon as possible if if it is determined that a contract is not being signed. If Pierre Dorian knows for sure that they're not going to get a deal done with Carlson. I would hope that he can move him. At, not that I think Carlson's trade value would deplete at all, but the more desperate you get, the closer you get to the trade deadline the lower and lower teams are willing to go because they know you that you're desperate at that point. So I mean it, it's hard to say even what you would get back, but I would hope that it's it's something an asset of equivalent value even though by asset I mean, you know, draft picks because yeah. I don't know that you can get a player like you said if you're going to if you're going to tear it down, there's no sense in getting a player of equal value Derek Carlson because a, I don't think that player exists and b, what are they what are you going to do then with them? and this team, I think that if they do trade Eric Carlson, then yeah, I'd want to see the contracts of Dion Phaneuf and, and Bobby Ryan go as well. Cause if you're going to tear it down, you may as well dump salary as well. So I, I think that with an Eric Carlson trade comes an inevitable rebuild of the Ottawa senators.
0: Right. And I, I think it's interesting. You noted the um, Bobby Ryan and Dion Phaneuf contracts. I I still think one of those is going to have to move if they really want to keep um, Carlson and Stone is up for contract. Broussard will be soon. Duch- Duchesne will be as well. So I think ultimately they will have to move one of those guys if they actually want to want to contend. And also, um, Matt, if, if Carlson actually does leave, whether that's walking via free agency, which would be just an absolute nightmare scenario, or even if they're forced to trade him, I, I can't imagine what that's going to do for the fan base. That's just going to lose countless amounts of at least casual fans, and even some diehard fans, I I honestly think would kind of shut the team off for a bit.
1: I I think you're right. I I think you're right on the front that one of either Dion Phaneuf or Bobby Ryan's contracts you're going to have to move. And yes, absolutely. If Eric Carlson, I mean, we saw the reaction of Sens fans when there was even an insinuation that Eric Carlson might not sign here, and they essentially lit themselves on fire. (laughs) So it's, I mean, I know me personally as a Sens fan... Uh, you know, Alfie was hard enough to take seeing seeing another superstar, another captain, another face of this franchise leave yet again. It would really, really test my patience as a Sens fan. And I I honestly think the Sens and I might need a little break at that point. You know, I'm not saying I would necessarily burn a Jersey or, or stop being a fan, but I would, I would maybe take a step back for a little while. And I think that a lot of the issues around ownership and, the current relationship that exists right now, um, it, it has left Sens fans skeptical to begin with. And this may be, I don't want to say the straw that breaks the camel's back because it's bigger than a straw, but it may be like <laughs> the two by four that breaks the camel's back if anything were to happen with Eric Carlson. I think a lot of Sens fans would lose their patience.
0: Yeah, no, that's very fair. Um, and, and you know, why don't we why don't we move on to ownership then? Because that was going to be my, my first wish, um, besides Carlson, is getting Eugene Melnick out. And, you know, <laughs> over the weekend, I absolutely love Sens fans um, on Twitter. Shout out to Abdi Omer, uh, who started the hashtag Melnick out trending in Canada. I think it was like top five in Canada. Um, you know, it, wow. it really seems like Ottawa fans are, you know, banding together. And really, <laughs> it doesn't seem like Melnick has any fans at this point. Um, it's funny, I, um, I'm a part of the rsu facebook group and it just it's funny seeing some of the reactions there it's not like i agree with many people on that group but there's still some people on that group defending Malnik. um yet when i go on twitter I, there's absolutely nothing and i think it's it's pretty amazing to see how many people despise this man and i think um rightfully so like his comments over the weekend it's just so incredibly poorly timed and you're just riling up your fan base for absolutely no reason you know having these threats of of possibly relocating if if they aren't starting to buy tickets it's just that this man is just he just has to go
1: i i think you bring up a great point in that timing is everything here you know we're we're not necessarily immune to uh, Eugene Melnick saying things off the cuff or saying things that irritate Sens fans, but you know the night before one of the biggest games in your franchise's history, the night of your Sen, your your team's first alumni game in, in a weekend that's supposed to be all positivity yep. and uh, a break from and a very unfortunate skid that this team has been on, you divert attention to something that really a doesn't need to be talked about right now and b sours the whole experience. So I think that you know Sens fans it wasn't just what he said, it was it was the timing of it, and the fact that he just, he had to say it right before something that was supposed to be filled with, with positivity. And, you know, I think Sens fans already have a disposition for being very skeptical towards Melnick and, and ownership in general, and this was just no different. This was, it, it, it's hard to describe because it, it's like, how could you possibly think that saying something like this at a time like this is a good idea? Yeah. I think that, you know, he was obviously... Thinking about negotiations, and and this had to be some sort of weird negotiating tactic with the NCC, hoping to kind of poke and prod them publicly. But, you know, it it's it speaks volumes to how the this fan base feels towards towards this ownership group right now. In that, you know, the response on Twitter speaks for itself, kind of thing. And and I have to say that you know if if you're going to call out your fan base for not showing up, doing it in that way doing it period but doing it in that way is certainly not going to compel people to buy tickets so i don't know exactly what what melnick was planning on doing there but i i know that he certainly didn't gain any season ticket holders that way let's say
0: no that. yeah I, and i mean there's better ways to if if you're trying to encourage people to buy tickets there's better ways to do it than saying you know we need people to turn out like this like it's I don't know if he used the word unacceptable, but pretty much saying it as if it is unacceptable. Um, do, you, do you think that, you know, because we've heard lots of rumors about Melnick in the last few weeks, particularly. Do you think that he is sort of a roadblock um, for getting getting this new Le Breton deal? Because I've heard people say that, you know, the NCC is going to essentially force Melnick to sell the team um, if they want to get a rink there.
1: I, that's a good question. I, I honestly don't know. I haven't heard too much outside of what's been publicly reported about the NCC uh, negotiations. I, it, judging by Belnick's comments, I think it had to go to some sort of extreme for him to want to say the things he said at the time he did. Right. Um, you know, there's been tons of rumors about him selling the team. This may—I feel like this may have been because of all the rumors around the NCC pressuring him to sell the team if he wants the arena, and and just uh, ownership change in general. This may have been a way, an attempt, at least in his in his mind, to cool those rumors and rather divert the discussion towards instead of the rumor being this team is going to be sold, the rumor is now this team is going to move. And regardless of of the truth to that, because we saw Gary Bettman quickly uh kibosh those rumors i think that what melnick may have been trying to do was get people talking about something else outside of his own selling of the team and for a short period of time he certainly did that
0: yeah for sure and um i I think it's also it was a bit disheartening too um because is particularly uh last week i guess leading up to to the nhl 100 classic there were tons of rumors um uh, Jeff Hunt's name came up, uh, owner of the the Red Blacks, as potentially being part of a group as buying the Senators. Um, for now, that's that's not true, though. I don't know if maybe that was put on hold or something. Um, I have no idea if you know if people are actually are trying to buy the Senators. But I think a lot of us bought that. And when Melnick opened up opened his mouth on the weekend, it kind of. Um, I don't know, really put a damper on that. He seemed pretty adamant that he's, you know, never going to sell the team and, you know, until he dies pretty much. So um, I don't know. I, th- I think that a lot of Sens fans were pretty disappointed uh, here in that. It certainly
1: changed the dialogue. Like for the first time in years, the possibility or the rumors around this team being sold were, were quite prominent, uh, at least the first time that I've seen since Melnick bought the team. Um, so the, you know it quickly quickly changed after that and uh, I think that's probably just what what Melnick wanted.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um w- w- one last point on Melnick. I I just don't see how a, a senator's team owned by Melnick is a legit contender and wins a cup. That's that's pretty much just how I see it. I don't think he has the money to to you know sure he he can be top 10 in spending or whatever, but he mentioned that he had Um, by far the the smallest management group in the league that's not exactly something to hang your hat on Um, you know that's that's that's
1: just it right
0: yeah that's just a bad thing so I, I don't think they really have the money to to compete with these other teams to do that so a new owner would definitely be appreciated even if it takes I don't know another year or two
1: I think that's a that's a fair uh, Christmas wish and I don't think you're alone in uh, yeah. in putting that on your Christmas list Trevor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, um so I'll let you go for your second wish then.
1: My second wish for the Ottawa Senators this Christmas would be for Bobby Ryan to either get a new hand <laughs> or to to Put a some sort of bionic glove around around his hands to protect them because I mean we've seen Bobby Ryan kind of bounce back and improve his play. Obviously, he had a big goal against Montreal on Saturday, um, but that hand and subsequent finger injury uh, kind of slowed down whatever momentum he had going at the beginning of the season and i personally am a big bobby ryan fan when he's playing at his best and I, I think that in the playoffs and earlier in this season we saw that bobby ryan at his best and i would love nothing more than to see that again and if that means a new hand or a bionic glove that is what i wish for bobby ryan this christmas
0: that would that would be pretty nice i i don't know if that's uh too late of a wish just because <laughs> i mean honestly how many he must have had like four, or five, maybe even six finger-slash-hand injuries as a senator. Um, you're right, like, Ryan definitely was... He was probably second, maybe even their best forward in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, to begin the year, he was on that line with Derek Brassard and Mark Stone, and they all looked really good, and then he got hurt. Um, I think the thing with Ryan is, for one, his foot speed is just getting a lot slower, and, like, some nights he just... Doesn't even look like an NHL player, um, but you know he he has had some some good stretches as well. The the thing that bugs me with Ryan though is that it seems like there's always something wrong, right? Like um, mm. a couple of seasons, he's you know gotten off to a really hot start in the first half, and then maybe in the second half he's had some nagging injuries um, or just some sort of excuse. Even if it's a valid excuse, it's still it's still something, right? Like there's never. He's never um, healthy for the entire season or playing well for the entire season. He's just kind of a a bit of an enigma in that sense. So that's what frustrates me, especially for a guy who is making as much as he is. You kind of expect more. You kind of expect at least, you know, a 50-point player. Um, I think he had something like 37 points in his last 85 games um, this season and last season, which you got to expect for more than that
1: absolutely and and you're right he's a very expensive player to be on and off the injury list like this and i i'm often willing to cut bobby ryan slack maybe perhaps more so than other players because it's so often injuries or nagging injuries that result in his poor play like even if he's not open about it he'll be playing very poorly for a stretch and then we'll find out later that he was injured and that was the reason why um so uh, you know Probably in my own naivety, I'm I'm willing to give Bobby Ryan a little more uh, wiggle room than other players. But you're right; he's he's too expensive of a player to have you know be injured this consistently. I mean, I, I don't think he's had a full healthy season since he's been here, um, at least not that we know of. Yeah. So I you know maybe maybe my Christmas wish could be that his hand is just somehow rejuvenated and that it grows into some sort of Eric Carlson-like bionic hand. And we don't have to worry about this anymore.
0: (laughs) Exactly. That that definitely would be nice. Um, Especially just having a right winger behind Mark Stone who can score would be greatly appreciated.
1: Well, that's it. When Bobby Ryan's at his best, I mean, sure, they have been very uh, limited, uh, I guess, groups of games that we've seen Bobby Ryan play at his best. But he (laughs) has been a member of this team's top line, you know, when, whenever this team has a line that's really firing, oftentimes Bobby Ryan's a part of it. And you, know, like, like you mentioned the um, Ryan stone Brassard line was this team's best line game in game out for the first few weeks of the season. And yeah. I would, lo- I would love nothing more than to see that all season long, you know, without the risk of injury, without, uh, you know, every player is going to go through streaks but without the extreme streaks that we've seen of Bobby Ryan, often due to injury, I think you know this team. This team would look a lot different if we had a top line that just consistently night in, night out made a difference.
0: Definitely. Um, can, can we just say one thing about how asinine it was that um, Boucher had said? I think I guess when when Ryan came back from from his uh, what was it wrist injury uh, recently, um, he said that he couldn't take one time like one-timers, and against that game in Montreal that uh, was their seventh straight loss, he made Bobby Ryan try to take a, a one-timer with like five seconds left off the face-off. Yeah, that I was, was just, very weird. That just sums up the entire season. I
1: Essentially, yeah. The Ottawa Senators season in a nutshell so far.
0: Yeah. Um, but but yeah, anyway, I yeah, I think you kind of have to worry a bit about Ryan's future in terms of... At this point, if he's just injury prone, and that's not necessarily his fault, but it's kind of like you know, the more you get injured, the more prone you're going to be to get injured again. Um, so, <laughs> I guess if there's some some magical way, like like you alluded to, to uh, to keep his hands safe, then that would be great.
1: Absolutely, I I think you're right. He um he is getting the label of injury prone at this point, and that may affect. You know, we talked about one of either him or Dion Phaneuf. Being moved at some point, and maybe that affects which one of them it is. But uh, one thing is for sure: we need Bobby Ryan playing at his best if this team is going to turn things around at any point this season.
0: Agreed. Um, so, for my second thing on the on my wish list, uh, this is n- <laughs> no surprise for for people who um, you know follow me on Twitter or read my work or anything. Um, trade Cody Cece, please just <laughs> just do it. I mean. <laughs> I'm starting to feel really bad for the guy because it's not like I hate who he is. I don't hate him as a person, but my hatred towards him has gotten so strong, mainly because it, you know, I I think if he was getting, if, you know, throughout his career, if he had been getting third pairing minutes and had been kind of meh, then maybe I'd just be like, okay, well, I want this guy off my team, but not like super intensely, but you know, CeCe is second in average time on ice on this team, and he is not good. He's simply not good. And the 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 thing that bugs me is that Ottawa just doesn't see it, and they could have had some really good returns um in terms of forwards. I think there was I think Yost had mentioned um Eberly was actually one of the guys that they could have gotten like literally this past oh, summer. Wow. So, you know, sort of a player of that caliber, like a 50 to 60 point player, that's, that makes a huge impact if they could have gotten a guy like that um, up front. And I still think somehow CC has some value. You know, um, teams see him as a 23, I think he's turning 24 though, 24-year-old tw- um, right-hand shot defenseman who plays, you know, a ton of minutes against allegedly um, the other team's top lines. But the thing is... He sure he like he plays against those top lines, but no one ever you know when people bring that up, no one ever mentions after the fact that his results against those top lines are abysmal. You know, like he's. I guess some people view it as you know Dion Phaneuf is kind of dragging him down, but I honestly see it as the reverse. Um, and I think that if CC was getting kind of that Chris Weidman sheltered minutes on the third pairing, you know, maybe he would be better. But they're playing him in this, um, you know, shutdown role on the second pair where he he just cannot shut guys down. He Anything you look at, you you watch the game tape, he doesn't grade well on the eye test. You look at any stats, he doesn't grade well. He, he doesn't have good offensive ability. His possession numbers for years have been just god-awful. And... If they can actually get something of value, particularly a forward, would be nice um, from CC. That would just make my make my year. I think.
1: <laughs> I don't think you're alone there. I, I don't I, not since I I don't even want to say Jared Cowan because I don't think there was this kind of level of disconnect with Jared Cowan, but Cody CC is the epitome of a very large disconnect between fans and analysts and hockey experts and yeah. the coach and management. Team, they they seem like you said he's getting top pairing minutes. He's not performing well in those minutes, and yet he continues to get them. Meanwhile, Chris Weidman makes one mistake and gets stapled to the bench for the rest of the night. Yes. So, you know, i exactly exactly. And I, I'm often confused as to what is it that Guy Boucher and this coaching staff see in Cody cc that the rest of us don't, um, because it, it's more than just a few fans having this opinion of him now, right? Like, I think that your sentiment is echoed throughout the fan base And the number of people who are defending him are getting smaller and smaller. Fortunately, and I don't know why, he still seems to have a pretty high trade value from what I understand. There are teams who actually really want him. So, you know, as much as I hope that Pierre Dorian capitalizes on that and gets something of value in exchange for Cody Cece while he still can... I fear that because they overvalue him so much, because this team overvalues him so much, I wonder how willing they would be to move him. And I think you bring up an extra, an excellent point in that a lot of people think that Dion Phaneuf is dragging Cody Ceci down. I think it's the exact opposite as well. I think Dion Phaneuf has been okay at times on this team. And if anything, I feel like Cody Ceci makes him look worse and makes his job harder. I think if you let... Dion Phaneuf play with a more capable defensive partner. He would actually be a serviceable second or third line defenseman. Yeah. Very expensive second or third line defenseman, <laughs> but he would do a a good job nonetheless. And somehow CC just continues to get these top pairing minutes, and and no one can really explain why.
0: Right, and I, I think um, you know I had Nate um, and KB on my on my last episode, and we were talking about CC as well, and he had mentioned that Boucher really likes his roles. And I guess, you know, he doesn't see another defenseman capable of filling that role on that second pair as being that shutdown guy. But you know, at some point you just kinda have to look at the results and say, okay, there's gotta be some better option, or let's at least let's at least try a better option.
1: No, I think you're I think you're right. And maybe this I thought maybe this losing skid would be exactly what uh, what sparked that discussion, but it doesn't look like so far that's been the case.
0: For sure um so let's move on to your uh third wish yeah third wish
1: all right well initially my third wish was going to be something along the lines of reducing cody cc's minutes but i like (laughs) your wish much better so i'm going to change it up a bit and say i want to see thomas shabbat play a more active role on this team or at least get a better chance on this team and that may in turn result in cody cc seeing fewer minutes a game um Thomas Shabbat has made some mistakes in his few games up here, but I also think he's looked really good and he's shown flashes yeah. of brilliance. Like, you know, the game against the Islanders where he had three points and that was his first game in which he was recalled. Um, you know, he's shown that he can be a very capable second line defenseman behind Eric Carlson and that he has an offensive ceiling that is far and a way better than Cody CC's or any other defenseman outside of Eric Carlson in this lineup. And, uh, for for Thomas Shabbat's Christmas wish list, I would like to see him get some more minutes a night
0: that that's definitely very fair. Um, I had written down play the young guys more so I guess that that definitely includes Shabbat as well. Um, there you go.'ll I'll, I'll put Colin White in there as well. Um, yeah, he has not played a single game this season. I just don't understand it. <laughs>
1: I wonder, Trevor, if they're trying to shelter him at all, given the wrist injury he had early on. But at the same time, I mean, he's been playing pretty big minutes down in the AHL. So it's not like they're not giving him time. But I wonder if they're nervous at all about bringing him up here and him somehow getting re-injured.
0: How I see this is Curtis Lazar and Cody Ceci totally ruined the organization's um, (laughs) view on developing prospects, don't you think?
1: I, I think that Curtis Lazar and Cody CC have done many things to damage this this team's <laughs> yeah. developing prospects. But I think that's a good point. You know, they, in both cases, I think both Lazar and CC could have benefited from way more AHL time. Um, at the same time, would I have kept them there as and sheltered them there as long as they have Co- Colin White? Probably not. Uh, but I, I wonder. Do Do you see it as like? Lazar and CC made this management team a little more skeptical about bringing players up too early and therefore they're spending more time in the AHL. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a fair point. Cause uh, you know, fans were pretty, pretty critical of management for what they did with both CC and especially Lazar. Yeah. Uh, so maybe the knee jerk reaction now is to just keep players down there.
0: But you know, the thing about that is like, Okay, first of all, (laughs) the fourth line right now, it looks dreadful. Why is Gabriel Dumont playing regular minutes? I have no idea. You cannot tell me that Dumont is going to have more of an impact than Colin White. Like, it it really bugs me that, um, you know, this is kind of a side wish that, that Boucher is almost like holding Dorian hostage to get the guys that he wants, just guys that he's literally coached before and he coached Dumont in in the queue, and he just brings absolutely nothing. So why, especially when they were losing all those games, like, why would you not at least try and see if another guy works? Like, I'm not even asking for White to, you know get top six minutes and stay the entire year. I just want to see what he can do on the fourth line or maybe even third line right wing or something. You know, see if he can bring a spark and if he scores a few goals, okay, then keep him up. And if he struggles, then fine, send him back down. But at least see what you've got, especially, you know, when you're in such a desperate situation as you are now, you know, you're like six points out of the playoffs or whatever it is.
1: I absolutely agree. The Gabriel Dumont... Uh, pickup was very odd to me outside of the fact that he's one of those guys who's just played for boucher before and therefore boucher brings him, brings him in and you know one of the things that I hoped would come out of this seven game or however many games they've been terrible uh, skid, was that you know perhaps Dorian pushes back on Boucher a bit and goes, listen, we've tried it with your guys. We've yeah. brought in a number of players because of their connection to you. And you know what? It hasn't always worked. So let's try something else. Let's bring up some of the prospects we have in the AHL. Let's maybe go out and get some cheaper guys who haven't played for you before but could fill a role on this team better than Gabriel Dumont could um so i'm hope i'm hoping if anything comes out of this this negative last month that we've seen it would be something along those lines because you know the, the gabriel dumonts of the world haven't exactly made a difference on this team but colin white's potential too is much higher
0: for sure any even someone like philip schlopik klopik i never know how to pronounce it um Sh- someone like yeah, that Shlopik, you know yeah
1: yeah absolutely yeah why you know like we've seen these these prospects down there for a pretty long time and a lot of them are expected to do quite well and yet we haven't gotten to see them much at the NHL level and if Thomas Shabbat is any indication they may have something to contribute.
0: For sure and I I also think that um, part of the problem here is the Senators inability to find quality depth players you know I, I really don't like Nate Thompson as a player I think he's I guess fine on the penalty kill so is Tom Pyatt and you know Pyatt has he's definitely been a polarizing player and it's funny like when you i always say this when you watch him play he looks like a solid player like he's he's skilled in everything but it's i just can't ignore his like horrendous possession numbers and that the same goes for for Dumont and Thompson so um you know if they're able to sign guys for you know 800 900,000 um that can actually produce some offense on the fourth line that goes a long way rather than signing you know, a guy like Dumont who doesn't really bring anything besides maybe some size.
1: No, absolutely. And, you know, to the point of Tom Pyatt, I think a lot of, he's, he's an okay, you know, bottom six forward. And I would, in in general, I'd be okay with him on my bottom six in any other season. It's, it's his usage that drives a lot of fans nuts, right? Like, how often do you see a player like Tom Pyatt in the shootout? If you're sense fan it's a couple times per year and we don't know why yeah <laughs> so i think it's 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 gibouche's willingness to give these guys big roles when their role should be a depth position and to to sit on a bottom line and just you know play 5 to 10 minutes a night and go home and that's it but Guy Boucher loves to give these younger these uh, not younger um lower on the depth chart players a, a spotlight every now and then and I can't for the life of me figure out why.
0: Definitely. Um, Now, now, would would you say, going off a bit of a side road here, but would you say, because I I think there's a reasonable scenario where Boucher either isn't the coach immediately at the beginning of next season or is maybe fired, you know, mid-next season or something. Um, Would you say that overplaying the veterans is going to be his downfall or already is kind of his downfall?
1: You know, it's a good question because I'm very much on the side of, I hope they don't fire Boucher. And that's not because I necessarily think he's done a great job this year. But I think that, you know, if they fire Boucher, that'd be the fourth coach in what, six years that this team has fired. That's not a great track record. And to be honest, I mean, how many times have we seen a coach come in, see short-term success? Struggle, get fired. Yep. Come in, see short-term success, struggle, get fired. <laughs> you know, going through that pattern yet again, which would be exactly what they do if Guy Boucher gets fired, clearly the coach is not the problem here, right? If Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, then sense management are insane if they fire Guy Boucher. I, I don't agree with the choices he've made, he's made this year. And I think that you're right. He needs to put more trust in the younger players and give them more chances than he has. But I would hope that if Pierre Dorian and Guy Boucher have the relationship that they claim they do, that that can be more of a coaching lesson for Guy Boucher. And that can be Pierre Dorian or someone else guiding him to make these decisions. Because I think firing him would just start the sends off from square one. And Uh, I I don't think that it's going to solve the problem. Clearly the issue here is not coaching, right? Uh, I don't know what the issue is, but I I think that firing the coach yet again would just put them back to where they were before. So I, I certainly think that Guy Boucher not playing the younger players and giving too much trust to these veterans is hurting him. There's no doubt about that. I personally really hope it is not his downfall because I would hate to see the Sens get rid of another coach.
0: I think that's fair. Um, I also think though that it's probably a joint effort in terms of um, you know who's whose fault it is. I definitely I'm not a huge fan of what Dorian has done. like some of them some of the moves have been fine. They've been been good enough. Um, but it's also been the, you know, not addressing certain things, not addressing the defense, not addressing some of the some of the depth. You know, they added um, guys like Stahlberg and Burroughs and Wingles last season and that helped. Um, but this season, the depth just hasn't been there, so that's part of the problem. I also have not been a fan of Boucher this season at all for you know keeping guys like Kleyn and Chabot out of the lineup and and you know essentially picking Dumont over DiDomenico. Which some of these aren't massive decisions, but they add up, especially when your team like Ottawa, who you know they're going to need every single advantage that they can get. <clears throat> um, so definitely. Both of them haven't had the greatest, um, I guess, six months, we could say. So, I don't know. I I, I can definitely see a scenario where, where Buche is gone sooner rather than later, which which kind of is depressing, which is what you were saying before. Um, and uh, <laughs> if they do fire him, like, I, I don't know where they go from there.
1: Exactly. Does
0: Dorian go? I don't know.
1: Yeah, like you know, who's who's left really? Yeah. Like, who can they go get now? Because I don't, I don't want Guy Boucher to get fired. That doesn't mean I don't think it'll happen. My fear is that it will, and it's looking every day. I feel like we're looking at a scenario. We're getting closer to a scenario in which we do
0: see Guy Boucher get fired. I
1: don't want to see it happen because simply because I just don't know who they go with after that, right? Like, who's available?
0: You know, one they, one name I I did. Um... I did hear with Sheldon Keefe, coach of the Toronto Marlies. I would love that.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually hadn't heard that yet, but now that you mention it, I mean, I would be open to it.
0: Yeah. Um
1: <laughs> But again, you know, I I would hope that at least we don't have that until this the off season. You know, like play the rest of the season now. Totally. Let's yeah. See where this team goes, and yeah. then make the decision from there. But uh, it's 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 a scary thought, right? Like you know, go through f- four coaches in six years. It's doesn't yeah. look very good.
0: Not at all. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say one more thing for my wish list. Um, I will say get Mark, Stern, Mark Stone sorry, a long-term contract. You know, this yes. This guy is just... He is by far the best forward on the team. Um, and kind of like Carlson on the back end, I don't know where this team would be without him. Because he is just so good, first of all, offensively. He, you know you're going to get at least 60 points from him every single season but he's so good just at every other thing like I can't name a single thing that he's bad at maybe maybe if he if he's forced to take a face off or something maybe he's bad <laughs> at that I don't know but you know his he has amazing hand eye cord um, hand eye ability um, his ability to create turnovers is just absolutely amazing and even you know people in the past had said his skating was poor I honestly think he's a really good skater now so he absolutely deserves you know what is he what is he turning i think 26 so yeah. i i would give him a 7 year maybe even 8 year contract
1: i completely agree i think that you know we talk a lot about the underrated players in the league i think mark stone is by far and away one of the most underrated players in this league because like you said he's just good at all aspects of the game offensively defensively takeaways in particular I mean he is he should be up for Selkie at the very least every single year yeah and you know this year in particular every line every line combination that we've seen on the forwards and there have been a lot of them but every line that has worked and that has been the Sens best line usually includes Mark Stone Right. Like he, he yep. is, I call him the slump buster, because if there's ever a player who's going through a scoring slump, throw one alive, with Mark stone and he'll, he'll, he'll bounce back. Zach Smith. Um, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he gave Zach Smith 25 goals. Zach Smith owes Mark stone a number of drinks for the contract that he got with, yeah. with that season. And I think you're right. You know, like outside of Eric Carlson, Mark stone should be the number one priority for this team to resign.
0: Definitely. Um, I don't know. I don't really have much too much else to say on Stone. Um, I feel like I talk him up so much. And, and really, how can you not? Like, he's just no, absolutely his incredible. His play speaks
1: for himself, right? Exactly. Like, it's, it's amazing.
0: Yeah. Um, hmm. Was there any other things on your list? Or, I mean, there could maybe be some smaller ones. But did you have any anything?
1: I... I think in general, I just hope for things to turn around a bit around the holiday season. You know, we're, we're approaching the unofficial halfway mark of, of the year, and uh, the last month or so has been a bit of a struggle. So I, I'm hoping, and I think a lot of Sense fans are hoping for a bit of a turnaround and maybe, uh, I don't want to say a, a miracle run, but maybe a bit of a winning streak to to dig themselves out of the hole that they created.
0: Right, that's fair. Actually, I will I will end on one thing. You know, <laughs> you want this winning streak... And I guess some wins would be good, but I'll say, see, I I don't think the playoffs are going to be in the cards this year, which is funny considering like a month ago or a month and a half ago, I definitely thought they were. Um, Mm. But I'll say, I really, really hope this should probably should have been number one. They get the number one pick and can uh, pick Rasmus Dallin in the draft.
1: There you go. You know what? If they can't, if they can't turn things around, that's the next best thing.
0: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, all right. Well, I think that's a pretty good list for Santa. Um, hopefully, we at least get you know some of those presents in in the coming months. Um, before we go though, is there anything you'd like to plug or talk about?
1: Um, I guess just the fact that we're doing our wrap up show for the for that's what she said this week on TSN twelve hundred. It'll be on Friday at six, and uh, I'll be on the pregame show with Ian Mendez uh, for the Thursday game uh, from five to seven, I believe, on TSN twelve hundred. So. That's all I can think of between now and the new year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, sounds good. Well, uh, thanks for joining me, Michaela.
1: Thanks, Trevor, for having me.
0: All right. Thanks. As I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Cost Per Pointcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And you can rate and review in those places as well. You can follow me on Twitter at ShackTS and read my articles at silver 7 sens And if you have any suggestions for future episodes, let me know. I hope everyone has a very merry Christmas and a happy holidays, and I will see you in the new year. That's all for me. Adios. (laughs)